0: Shoot 38% from the downtown.
1: Here comes
2: LBJ.
1: <laughs> Look out! The right, crowd on
0: their feet. That's what they came to see. Kawhi Leonard. Oh!
2: Harris got the step. What's it down? Start a game up there. Please wake me up. Thank you. Embiid fakes.
1: And a
2: for a play.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Blank Screen Basketball Podcast. Um, this is episode number two. Um, thank you for joining in. Um, I'm your host Patrice Gordon. And I'll be talking about all things basketball, such as the NBA, BBL, FIBA, all different things around the basketball universe, um, each kind of week or as and when. Um, Hopefully you've listened to the first podcast. If not, do look for it. It's on our website, blankscreenbooks.com. On that website also you find books about basketball legends, um, such as James Harden, Kevin Durant. Um, Dwayne Wade, you name it—various basketball kind of figures on there. So again, that's blankscreenbooks.com, and that's got um, various legends of the game. So let's kick off into this podcast. And obviously, it's been a kind of sad kind of moment in time for all us basketball fans, and also people outside the basketball kind of spectrum. Um, recent news about Kobe Bryant—I'll um, be touching upon that very shortly. But just to kind of give you a brief agenda, just because I don't want to make this episode two kind of focused on Kobe Bryant as much as a legend as he was. Um, We'll also be looking at the kind of first half of the NBA, you know, any kind of surprises. Um, Also talking about the BBL, the British Basketball League Um, talking about the London City Royals who recently folded as well and lastly I'll be finishing off on Zion Williams. So not a long show but just some key kind of aspects that have been happening around the basketball landscape as we know. So, firstly let's talk about Kobe Bryant.
2: Check out the way he walks, he's cocky, he looks cocky. Dishing over Kobe Bryant! Oh, what a dog! 1049 here, Kobe's good
1: arriving underneath. Back. back over, and head in, basket count.
2: What a play! Here comes Bryant, head
1: of the field. Slap! a clap! Kobe Bryant. Oh, baby! I'm telling you, last yard is no, out. I know. Two Kobe Bryant, of course, was a legend. Um, Came into the NBA at 17 years old, just about to turn 18. Um, He had a rugged demeanour. He was very talented from the offset and he just possessed a star quality. And I think, you know, players in the NBA, very talented. They've all got great fundamentals. All can shoot well. They're all good at their various positions. But to be recognized and to be seen and to be well known, you've got to have that kind of star quality. And Kobe Bryant, I think, kind of had it from the beginning. You know, it's it's quite weird how he came to have it. Maybe because his dad was a you know, a former basketball player that he'd seen some of that landscape. Maybe because he had a different kind of air about him. You know, he was a a guy who spoke Italian and Spanish. And, you know, he grew up in Italy for some few years, so maybe he was more cultured than other kids around the same age. But also on the court itself, he was very flamboyant. You know, he had skills for days, you know. Um, He possessed an air of quality about him, similar to kind of Michael Jordan, as people made tons and tons of comparisons. But the reality was he wasn't as polished. And I think that also made him harder to defend, harder to guard, because you're watching Michael Jordan on a week-by-week basis every game. And you're panning your defence to kind of combat what he does. So with Kobe, you will try and do what you do for Michael Jordan. But then Kobe would do some unorthodox, kind of almost awkwardly looking move. But would finish it with a power slam that would make him seem kind of fantastic, like he planned it all the way. And sometimes, that's what they say in America, the college system sometimes hold players back. And Kobe jumping straight into the NBA, clearly it didn't hold him back. So... You know, just to kind of look at his life, um, unfortunately he died in a helicopter crash with his daughter and seven other people, um, just on Sunday the twenty in January, um, just recently and it's you know, it's still quite hard to, to quite take in. Um, me myself, I'm you know, a big basketball fan and and I I won't say I had a love hate relationship with Kobe Bryant from a distance, but I must say I think I admired him more than I kind of envied him or hated him. You know, he was that kind of player. Um, I wrote a piece recently on the Sportsman, um, the sportsman.com, which is a sports site which covers football, um, rugby, basketball, US sports, boxing, etc. And, you know, I remember the first time I wrote in this piece, you know, stating my first time that real kind of connect I had with Kobe Bryant and I talked about when I, was, when I got a chance to wear his Kobe Crazy Yates um, our team was sponsored by Adidas at the time, and you know they gave us a selection of trainers to wear. I picked the Kobe straight away. You know, and, and you do that as fans. You try to get the shoes, thinking that will spark some kind of emulation between you and them. You know, it's it's a it's a long shot by any means, but it's something that you know ultimately we think can happen. You know, um, you know, I, I think the quality about Kobe was that he transcended kind of boundaries that other people try to reach but don't quite attain within in their life you know I think you know you see he got the tweets from Barack Obama people like Dwayne Wade coming out talking about how it was the saddest day kind of of his lifetime Kareem Abdul-Jabbar saying it was difficult for him to put into words how he feels um, Obama again said he was a legend on the court and, you know, just things like that. But I think the touching part of the loss was he wasn't alone. And he was with his daughter, for one, who was a budding basketball player. And it kind of shined, a, he shined a light particularly on kind of women's sports and women's basketball and the avenue of being kind of taken seriously next to the men's. Obviously, we know the NBA, but the WNBA was a force within itself and was up and coming. And Kobe, for all his kind of initial wrongs in his early days and stuff, and sticking with his wife throughout everything, or his wife sticking with him, should I say, you know, he tried to be that family guy, tried to help his daughters be the best they can be. And, you know, we take our hats off to him as a man, as somebody who kind of lived the life, but also recognised that it was about serving, not leading. You know, and that was the quiet understanding of leadership, which he totally understood. Um, you know, the timing of his death is kind of, as all deaths are, is kind of unpredictable and a shock which ripples around the kind of community. But, you know, there were fans in China and Taiwan, you know, like I said, Italy, Spain, you know, he was favoured with Nike, he did the Mamba Academy, his Mamba mentality was, you know, you, the list goes on and on. And for someone who played 20 years for one team in particular, even though there was rumours of him being traded at some points, you know, both kind of parties stood steadfast and they kept that kind of cemetery kind of between him and the franchise and, you know, Los Angeles in particular, that community I can imagine is going through their own little feeling of mourning. But ultimately, you know, Kobe was their hero, their idol. And even in areas like Philadelphia, where he kind of moved to after being in Italy, you know, they obviously shared a sense of losing kind of a a loved one. And um, I think, lastly, rather than going on, um, Kobe left a legacy of being somebody who could do anything. You know, he was known as a hard worker, had grit, determination, but but he did it for a reason. He did it to win, did it to look good. He did it to to crowd-please. And he also did it so that he could invest, in, invest his time. I think, as you get older in life, you realise the more hard work you do initially the less time you the more time you get to relax, the more time you get to enjoy the fruits of your labour. And he set up a few businesses, he set up some investment companies, you know, he started spending his money wisely and he watched you know, his money kind of reap tenfold to kind of give him something back to where he didn't have to worry that much more and, you know, just go in the gym and bust it out. And I think the game of basketball in particular, you know, you're you're working the first quarter, second quarter first half second half you know you're busting hard you're trying to keep momentum you're trying to keep pace and you're hoping that down the line the fourth quarter you can just relax you know but you know if you don't start well then you're gonna have to finish hard or if you don't start well you're gonna have to come back from a 20 point deficit you know it's back and forth it's a tough game you know and it's it's kind of symbolic of life you know if you don't put the, the work in early sometimes you don't get the reaps the benefits later on and that's just the way it is you know so you know Trying to get your kids into a good school, same difference. You hope that they get a bigger pension, you know, by the time they get to retire. So Kobe Bryant, indicative of someone who loved to put in the work, um, someone who enjoyed his celebrity status as well, and someone who kind of symbolized a deep desire in all of us, you know. And um, the fact that he's gone at 41 years old is, is hard to believe, but it's something that's happened and something that we'll mourn kind of forever and we'll cherish. And um, we remember his status off and on off and on the court as well. You know, I salute Kobe Bryant, Mr. Bryant. Um, you know, I remember seeing you in Slam Magazine, you know, coming out and just thinking, gosh, you know, his answers are very potent, you know. He had a certain kind of feeling about him and, um, you know, he kept that throughout his career. So um, hats off to him, you know, condolences to his family and well-wishing to everyone to kind of move forward from his tragedy, but you know, let's take a moment of time to reflect and um, hopefully we can move on, kind of, from it. Moving on, um, which is hard to, let's uh, look onto the the NBA in particular. You know, it's been an interesting season so far, you know, it's been a lot of, kind of, moves and shakers, been some, you know, surprises and non-surprises, you know, and um, just to, kind of, continue, um, I've, kind of, Got a hold of my friend Errol Seaman. Errol Seaman's a, a quiet legend in the British game, um, played for the Manchester Giants. Um, he went to college in America um, and he used to play for the England kind of schoolboys team as well. So he's well versed in the game. And um, I'll just pick up the phone and give Errol a quick call.
0: All right, um, yeah, cool. I'm now here joined um, by Errol Seaman, um, former BBL player, um, National Cup winner in the BBL, um, used to play with the Manchester Giants, um, among some other teams. Um, you may know his former head coach, um, Nick Nurse, who progressed from BBL all the way to NBA winning um, coach with the Toronto Raptors. Um, Errol now is uh, is a A teacher, head of STEM subjects at Barking College, but he's also a motivational speaker. He's also an author, Um, still plays basketball with the lads every now and again, Um, but a a great person, great insight in the NBA, so I thought Errol could join us. Um, Me and Errol used to do the podcast, 94 Free Raw, which we're going to be continuing at some point, but for now he's just going to jump in the call and just let me know about his feelings and thoughts about things up and around the league, the NBA, and also in the BBL. Um, So E, how you doing, man?
2: I'm good P man, I'm good. Appreciate the intro. Yeah man, all good. Can't complain.
0: Nice one, nice one. Um what have you been up to lately? What's the kind of things, are you still playing out? Are you still, you know, what what's
2: Yeah, still playing, man, still still running, obviously we uh do our masters competitions, back to back UK champs. Uh, we do. Um, you know, I'm playing with Irks in the uh in the London League and the Essex League, you know, uh we're doing really well collecting trophies as we do, uh, you know. You mentioned what I do professionally at work. Um, yeah, I think it's cool, man. It's good, man. I'm writing a couple books. Um, look out for those later on in the year. Um, yeah, yeah, just keeping busy, man, progressing.
0: Good, we good. Good times, good times, man. Cool. All right, I'll just jump straight into it. Um, I know you're a keen follower of the NBA. Um, we've even got a little NBA fantasy league going on at the minute. So, Justin, we're coming up to the All-Star game, which is on the 17th.
2: It's oh, it's <laughs> <laughs>
0: so for people that don't know we've got a fantasy league we've got 10 um, teams 10 people in this league um we've got key people like stephen ogre jimmy and matt seaman Earl's brother and other people um stephen was at the bottom and he rose up to the first and he held it because he had players like james harden um, but it has been quite consistent. He's had people like Don Cic and LeBron James, and just recently he's taken the top spot. Um, again, I think you, you were top once before, weren't you?
2: I well, was for about the first month. Yeah. You, know, and then yeah. you, you, yeah. Fought, you fought
0: back. I think you was like about 800 points even at one stage behind.
2: <laughs> the, first year doing, the first year doing the Fantasy League, it's amazing how much more I've learned about players and their tendencies. Mm you know, the consistencies uh you know, and especially from a fantasy point of view, how much value they add in terms of fantasy points, man. So it's gonna be really interesting next year to be honest. I think we're all gonna be a lot more informed so that
0: draft process is gonna be interesting certainly. Yeah, and I think maybe at the beginning we should put a little wager just to put the the pressures on, but uh, that's another another subject. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: indeed.
0: Indeed. So, um yeah. So while you're sitting at the top, um, in terms of your kind of kind of thoughts about the NBA so far, um, you know, like I said, we're coming to the All-Star game um, and I know this is a kind of time where kind of teams kind of relax and kind of settle down. But I think also going to the second kind of half of the NBA, teams are kind of focusing on what they've done well so far. So from your standpoint, um, you know, what have you kind of been surprised by or unsurprised by so far in the first kind of half? of the NBA that you've seen from October to now?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's certain teams that I think most of us knew would be at the top or near the top. Um, I think the three best teams in the league uh, clearly are the two LA teams and uh, and the Bucks. Yeah. Um And to be honest, they're no surprise. I didn't necessarily know how LA would look, but pretty much the Bucks and the Clippers kind of look how I thought they would look. Um, but those three, not necessarily the surprise. A couple of teams that are really... Uh, stand out to me um, In the East The Miami Heat I think mm-hmm. have done an Unbelievable job Of putting together A, a team And putting them back Into pseudo contention You know I don't think They're necessarily A legitimate um, Top tier title contender yeah. But who knows What can happen In the playoffs But they played tough You know The young guys That they brought in uh, Nunn um, Hero um, Robinson Along with Adebayo um, Stepping forward In a uh, um, um, white side, uh trade to, to the Trailblazers I think And you know Jimmy Butler has just come in and really showed strong leadership yeah. and, and they definitely surprised me in terms of you know what they've been doing you know the last few weeks
0: yeah no indeed I think they're with their second in the conference at the minute they've got a record of 31 and 14 um, yeah. next to the Bucks and same tied with Toronto and uh, yeah now I think they're just they seem much more fluid and like you say, and they've given the rookies kind of a you know, like Kendrick Nunn and, you know, Hero, a lot of freedom, you know, especially for rookies as well. So yeah, very Yeah, and
2: the thing is they've earned it. They've earned it, you know. Okay. They they've come in there, you know, and you know, Hero came in and and he shadowed Jimmy Butler all the way through pre season, you know, through the summer, through pre season he was there at the early workouts, you know, and you know Butler's renowned for his work ethic, mm. you know, and his commitment to staying in his shape and working on his game and you know and and Hero, you know, was earned that respect, you know, mm-hmm. directly through, you know, his, his visibility all the time and just being in and, and going through that grind, you know, and he's produced on the court as his nun, Abid is amazing, yeah. um, and he's only going to grow, you know, they're a team, team for the present and for the future, definitely. The other team um, is, uh, is is the Raptors. Yeah. I, think. I think Nick's done an amazing job, really um, slotting, Obviously, losing the production of um, Kawhi mm. and, uh, um, and Danny Green. Yeah. But being able to kind of replace their production in numerous ways, obviously, Siakam stepping up, I thought he was genius, you know, at the start of the season. Yeah. To start um, Lowry and uh, what's uh, the backup point guard's name? Uh, uh,
0: Fred, Fred Van Vliet.
2: Yeah, starting those in the backcourt, normally two smaller guards that traditionally you would have brought one to the bench, but you know, Vazi so good and step forward. He's had his season interrupted, you know, somewhat by injury. but you know, he was playing at all star level earlier in the season. Yeah. I mean, Get there, obviously. Um, but he's he's obviously going to um, really continue to produce. I think Ananovi's produced really well, you know, and they're healthy again, you know, they had, you know, um, Gasol was out for a period of time, yeah. You know, and they've got, you know, I think, you know, Siakam had that stretch when he was out. And I think it come together at the right time, coming up to the All Star break, mm. um, and they've been fabulous. You know, they've really um, replaced that production, and obviously Siakam was just rewarded with his uh, All Star first All Star game. You know, so they're two definitely in the East that um, that stand out to me.
0: Yeah, no, no, I agree, and I think um, I think they're going to be dangerous again in the playoffs. I think you know that. You know, because they're champions as well and they're experience as well. You know, I think other teams are trying to get that kind of to that level. You know what I mean? And I think even though they lost Kawhi, like you mentioned, I think, you know, Reps are definitely one to kind of watch out moving yeah. forward.
2: <laughs> that, that championship pedigree is so underrated. Mm. So people understand, like, going through that process, going through that journey, you know. And when you when you get there, not only does it give you the experience of going through those those trials of the playoffs, but like, it just gives you that self belief that uh, like, we're, we're champs, you know. Just yeah. Kawhi, those players are um, top top players in their own right, and and they fully believe they can get back to the finals. And they, I think they fully believe they're they're in contention to win them. Yeah. Know? So you know we'll see. You know whether or not they get there, that will remain to be seen. But yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, in the West, um, I was
0: just going to say, literally, just well, in the West, and, and probably the biggest surprise for me, even. So we kind of expected it was the dip from the Golden State Warriors. You know, yeah. I I knew that they wouldn't be as good, and everyone kind of predicted they, you know, be borderline playoff. But right at the bottom and struggling and being the worst defense in the whole league, you know, it's quite incredible to kind of watch and stuff. I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
2: But when when you factoring what they lost, mm. you know, losing players injury, losing Durant, you know, you know they were so top heavy. Yeah. Um, you know, during their run, you know, and they always had, you know, Iglu and Livingston yeah. off the bench, you know, with their assortment of big men that would come up and that, that gave them that increased depth with their flipping, you know, Avengers. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, nah. you no. Know, One so thing is, so when you lose players of that caliber at the top, it greatly reduces your depth and your capability to sustain that excellence. You know, then obviously Kit Curry's gone down and it's just like, the thing is, Draymond, his game mm. He's predicated on having, you know, proficient scores around him. That's when he's at his best, you know. it's no slight on him. It's just how he's playing. He's not playing a similar game. You understand? He's filling those gaps, you know. And that's that glue guy in the team. You know, when you've got scores around him, you can do all those little things and you just shine. Yeah. So it's no surprise with the inexperience of, you know, these younger players that drain those productions from down. And as a result, you know, they are what they are, you know. Yeah. So cool.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. But... I think as an organisation and you've got your new kind of chase centre and you've got everything kind of moving forward and you just kind of, you know, give the people nothing, you know. Each kind of every other game is like, you know, it's like throwing a stub in the dark to what the outcome's going to be in each game. It's just it's such a shock to my system, just watching them from like five years, their five-year run in the finals to this, you know, it's just... But, like you're saying, it happens. It happens. So.
2: It's like man. Everything is in cycles. Yeah. Everything is in cycles. Yeah. You know. A good comparison is look at what Man United are going through now in the English Premier League. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're going through a similar cycle where they're dominant. You know, yeah. for a you know nearly 20 year period, and and their cycle's gone. And Liverpool had a similar uh, um, you know drop. In, a, in in uh in performance, and now look at them—they're back on. So everything goes in cycles, and girls will be back. You know, as yeah. long as they can get Curry and Clay, you know, back healthy next season, that augments what Draymond does. You know, and let's see what they do with Russell. Will they trade him? You know, will they keep him on? But you know, just right from there, you know, they'll,
0: they'll be fine. Yeah. Now you know you mentioned, you mentioned Manchester United, and since Alex Ferguson kind of left, um, Manchester United have been on a heavy dip, you know, and stuff. Is it? With Golden State in particular, is it leadership? Is is Kerr just playing with what he's got, or Bob Myers? Are they not recruiting? Were they, you know, were they relying too heavily on their all stars?
2: Yeah, but that was the intelligent thing to do, right? He's mm-hmm. got five, yeah. you know, potential all stars. You know, along with the Marcus Cousins, you had, you know, I- I- and Livingston, you know, doing what they do off the bench, and you know, then everyone else could slot around it. You know, and come on, they were one of the most dominant teams in history. They've dominated the like, latter part of the last decade, you know. Yeah. So, why wouldn't you do that? So, you know, just like I said naturally, if you now lose these players either through trade for, uh, free agency or injury, then it's obvious there's got to be you know, a decline in performance. Now you've got to shuffle in all these bit bar players you know, these D-league guys mm-hmm. and the NBA is a brutal league. Is you know, brutal league. The West is a brutal conference. Come on, huh?
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. No, you are not gonna survive <laughs> The West is too good, you know, the NBA yeah. is too hard to win, you know, so you know, there you go, you've got what you got.
0: Yeah, no, indeed. How are you surprised with or won't say surprised but you know, the Mavericks and, and, and good old Luca man in his second season?
2: No, on, before you. know <laughs> <laughs> you what? Know, at the start of the season I said I don't think I said it to you, I said it to you, uh, Run home and old and I said, listen, I'll I give you an easy prediction. And you remember, going back two years, when I predicted um, the Phillies are spent. Yeah. You know? yeah. But this is the year they're going to step forward and be one of the best teams. And, I, and I'm not surprised by what Dallas is doing. I'm surprised at the level Luke is playing at as, as far as that MVP level. But I did say, I said, at the start of the season, I said, he's going to be an all-star. I said, he's going to be on one of the all-NBA teams. And I said, the Mavs will make the playoffs. And I was very, very, yeah, I don't think sort it's of stretch stretch to be quite honest. Maybe level the NBA team, but no one predicted what this guy was going to be doing so Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah. Nice. Little,
0: probably
2: not even himself, you know, and you know, you know, Paul Vegas hasn't, you know, quite got back to that level that he's um that he can perform at, but he's so valuable, man. What he provides them I mean, in defence, if you saw in the last couple of weeks yeah. when he was injured, the well, defence really suffered, especially on the interior. Yeah, and he provides that and that's that you know, you need, obviously, the Unicorn, that player, being able to stretch out and consistently hit the three. Mm-hmm. You know, the main hole in his game is um, is that post play. You know, he's got to get stronger yeah. in his lower body to, mm-hmm. to hold his position. But he doesn't, you know, when he was in New York, listen, he killed, in, in, oh, maybe he's a bit of a stretch play, he's not more proficient in the low post. He had, he had some really nice moves that he do, as long as he can get beat deepest position catch, he can just turn. A lot of the time he, he kind of allows the contact to put his shot off.
0: Yeah.
2: And, and close, you know, but he's so long and, and his shot's so so pure. You know, once he gets that hits a nice stride where he's playing consistently and he's not, you know, missing time because of injury, you know, he gets in the stride. And you'll see that it's obviously they just had um last Powell. night or they yeah the power Injury, yeah, you know, having gone through a tour of killing myself, mate. As soon as I see it, I know exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, you
0: know? I saw it. He was like, What <laughs> happened? I
2: said, Spring away, yeah. Achilles, done straight away. Yeah, this was even before he came back for that other game. I said, "No, he's done, he's killing. Obviously, the way he's done it, yeah. and then obviously, what I was watching the game live and saw power, and I was like, All right, Achilles, straight away, yeah. you know. But we're gonna be calling another springy player. You know, he doesn't play quite with the motor mm. that Powell does. But corny Stein is a you know springy player. He's a you know he's he's a legit seven foot. No.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're talking about Collie Stein for who? For has he been traded? He's
2: been traded. He's been traded to, uh, to Dallas. To the oh, yeah, wow. yeah, okay. Yeah, he uh, he got traded uh, yesterday. Oh man. For the second round bit. Um, from oh. Golden State. He's wow. so, Dallas, man. Yeah, sorry. Dude.
0: No, 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 that's good. That's good news, man. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, what do you call he's uh, It's going to be interesting, you know. thing yeah. with Rook Carlisle, man, he's got, he's got a short, short um, um, rope for players that don't really fit, get his system and mm. play to that level of intensity. So, what do his style? Will come with that intention. And I don't think any other a, a player like Lucas, you know, the their love game could be yeah. very. Much, very nice
0: indeed. But, yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing, really. Okay. Um, just one last thing. I think um, in terms of kind of surprises and not not surprised by. I think on the east side of things, in the Brooklyn Nets, I've been kind of disappointed, kind of with with Kyrie Irving in particular. Um, I thought like even though he's been injured for a long period of time, just I think he hasn't brought the team together in any kind of shape or form. Their identity seems to be a bit lost from last season. Um, I'm not sure how you kind of feel on that, but I just feel like well, until Kevin Durant comes back, I think they're really going to kind of struggle in terms of kind of identity and who they are and even just establishing maybe a good player front.
2: Same with Kyrie, right?
0: Mm.
2: You know, as an individual basketball player, the guy guy's talent level is he's levels off the charts. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable, some stuff that he can do. It's crazy. But if you look at his career thus far, you know, when he's been the main guy on the team, has he, you know, first of all, sustained a long period where he hasn't been injured, you know, especially mm. the last five, six years or so. Yeah. Um, but has he really led that team and been able to, to to show that he's got those point guard qualities to to drag a team up a la Chris Paul and what he's doing with OKC, which is another one of my surprise teams. But I actually thought they'd be decent. I thought they'd be decent. They'd be mm-hmm. really well. Yeah, talk about him in the moment, you know? but yeah, he hasn't really shown that he's early years in Cleveland before LeBron got there you know they were a middling you know lottery team yep. and never really showed that ability to make other players better around him Then obviously LeBron comes in when he, and when he comes in Kyrie is now allowed to do what Kyrie does best you know mm. he was, he's a two guard really you know what I mean he's a scorer <laughs> yeah. he's, he's unbelievable you know and he just LeBron put him in his best position to be. Who he is. Yeah. You know, when he's gone to Boston, that first half of the season they were excellent. You know, then obviously he sustained the injury. They go on the playoff run. Then the question is, you know, you know, are they better without Kyrie? You know, which at the time I thought was ludicrous. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Would just' know, go well? But that second year of Boston was a disaster. Yeah. His role, from from his his display of leadership to his inability to to be healthy, but they just didn't perform. You know, and it wasn't just him. There was a lot of them that had. You know issues in terms of, you know, their performance. But as a league guard, it's up to you to control the tempo to make sure people yeah. people in the wrong position so they get the right shots and raise their performance. but he doesn't really do that. You know, oh. So coming into this year, you know, he spotted so well, mm. you know, and, you know, it it showed when he was out when Dinwiddie went in that fine up. you know, how consistent Dinwiddie was and he played really well, you know, and is there a difference in the overall team performance you know, with Dinwiddie leading versus Kyrie leading. Yeah.
0: You know? It's quite funny, because I'm thinking, you know, like you said, with the LeBron, he's almost like the, the, the best hype man you can have with Kyrie, you know what I mean? In terms of, you know, he kind of fits a Fred Ram V type of role. He needs like a yeah. solid someone leading it, but they could just dish it off, and then he can go to work and do it, but he doesn't have the responsibility of leading the team. So that's why I think maybe when Kevin Durant comes back, he shows more leadership, and Kyrie can just do free reign, do whatever he does, but he doesn't have the answer to kind of leading the team because I think Dinwiddie's good, but I think since Kyrie's been back, he's kind of backing off and letting Kyrie almost lead the team, but in the wrong kind of sense, you know?
2: I okay, think actually Dinwiddie should be the lead guard. Yeah. Kyle should play it off more, more Yeah, and just, just do what he does. I think there would be more opponent that way, you know, but, you know, you're never going to see the, the true reflection of their team as you just said until KD's back. Yeah, And, then, uh, and, and I think again, just like you said, I think Kyrie would then be put in his in his right correct role, um, and KD, you no, know, because he needs to be that second guy. I don't think he needs to be the main guy on the team if you're going to be if you talking about championship aspirations. Yeah, indeed, indeed.
0: Cool. All right. Well, now thanks for the, the, the little insight and wrap up on Can the mention end. One
2: more team? Huh? Can I mention one more team? Yeah, yeah. Probably. Oh, oh,
0: yeah. No, fire away, man.
2: The Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> 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 really, man. I, right. Impressive. You know. Yeah, seriously, they're just, they're, you know, kudos to the coach, I can't remember his name, off the top of my head, um, but obviously Ja Morant coming in, and, and he, he he's a good example of what we just talked about with Kyrie, yeah. he's got the ability where he's a leader, yeah. he is such a leader, you know, from, you know, from a maturity, maturity standpoint at his age, but just as a, as a point guard, you understand. As a proper point guard, a point guard that you know, like he'll take care of everything. You know, he'll make sure everyone's in their position. Yeah. You know, and you see the level of play of everyone is just raised. But they know, like, yeah, we're gonna control the tempo, you know, and do what we do, man. But they've been, they've been brilliant, man. I think they're a real playoff possibility. You know? Yeah. Playing right now, where they understand.
0: Yeah, no, I think players are playing. not want to say beyond their capabilities, but they're playing to their utmost potential. You know what I mean? I think Valanchunis, Dylan Brooks is like, you know, he's hitting 20-point games. Jaron Jackson is hitting like threes incredibly, man. And the thing about Morant, who I like, is that he doesn't force anything. You know what I mean? He's not trying to score 20 million shots. He's just taking his time and playing within the team.
2: Yeah, they're in the eighth spot at the moment. 21 wins, 24 losses. Mm. You know, and so it's, it's definitely not a say' stone by any means. Um, but it's a possibility, man. I think they're playing because I think they can get better. Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, Jared Jackson Jr. I think he's been playing really well. Yeah. You know, but he he doesn't as a as a as a big with his athleticism. You know, he doesn't rebound enough for me. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. I think if he yeah if, if if you if you look at his 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 play he, he plays a lot. You know, on the perimeter, really good shot blocker. Yep. Most of these plays on the perimeter, right? he's got decent little you know, post game. He can drive to the basket. You know, he's got a good, nice game. But his improvement to me comes on the boards. You know, he yeah. should be giving you ten boards a night, man. Yeah, you know? right. he's got Yeah, that I think, that'd be. Best i is a really good example of like a uh, that old school big man as far as the size and his role. Who's really adapted his game really well. Yeah, he's a really wants to improve three point shot. He's just really. He's just really efficient, man. I yeah. like his game.
0: Yeah, no, they, Now they've, they've got well, good chemistry.
2: Just, uh, Jay Crowder's been really right, uh, consistent with him, yeah. You know, makes you think if Iguodala, you know, <laughs> you can know, oh, sure. think about if he was there with the team at the beginning and he believed in them, you know, you know, with his leadership, you know, things obviously might have panned out better, might be the same, yeah. you know, hopefully they'll get an asset from uh, when they eventually trade him. Yeah. Um, but they were for the right our future, I really could say.
0: Yeah, no, no, I totally agreed and you know, like, watch this space, I think, for Memphis and stuff like that. I think they're, compared to last year, they're playing so much better. Um, I thought the Suns would be a little bit better. But, again, I think with all the kind of issues around Aiton and things like that, I think that's kind of stalled them a little bit. But, um, yeah, the West is tough and Grizzlies are doing doing an amazing job. Doing an amazing job. Um, just to kind of jump off the NBA just slightly, just because, you know, we do love the NBA. Um but I think um, in terms of where we're based, obviously we're based in the UK. So um, and like I said, me myself and Errol, we both played in the BBL. And we just heard some kind of recent news um, about a player um, that we knew, kind of growing up, Robert Archibald, um, who played in the NBA briefly and also around Europe and some of the higher kind of calibre teams around Europe, um, has died sadly, um, only 39 years old. Um, great guy. Um, I think he leaves behind one son. Um, but a shock around the basketball kind of world. Um, also, we've also heard about uh, a team which just entered the BBL, um, the London City Royals, that they've uh, made the shock decision to um, close the team. Um, I'm just looking on the website, on the on the British Basketball League website, bbl.com, sorry, dot gov, dot gov, dot, 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 gov, um, dot co UK, um, and I'm just quickly going to read the statement before I kind of get Errol's kind of opinion on what he thinks... You know could have happened and what should have happened and just he's kind of state on how British basketball is um, so the club released a statement which said uh, it's with deep regret that we are now that shareholders have voted ununanimous and un- and ununanimously un- that the, the basketball team should cease to operate with immediate effect pending liquidation the Royals had a successful first year in winning the BBL trophy and playing the BBL finals at the O2 prospects for the current season were also very promising, um, creating a pathway for young Londoners to achieve improved life outcomes through basketball and our elite team was something that achieved great um things in many circles. Um we'd like to take this great opportunity to thank our fans, team members and players staff for all their support during it's all too short existence. So I've I've kinda of cut it a little bit in terms of the statement what it said, but the overall opinion is obviously cease trading You know, it's made a load of people redundant. Um, It's a very short-lived kind of existence for a basketball team, even by the BBL standards. Um, And it kind of highlights the kind of unsuccessful kind of launches, I suppose, British basketball has had in terms of kind of talent, um, teams, um, reputation, should it be. And, you know, even though we won't go into too much kind of detail, but just... One one second, one second. there. Sorry, I just thought to cut off the misses. Um, in, terms, in terms of the kind of BBL and the kind of stance of where we are, um, Errol, what, what would you say is kind of your reflection, your opinion, just about, well, firstly, the London City Royals, and then secondly, just from your BBL experience and just whether you think things have progressed and gotten better or, you know, gotten worse? What would you say?
2: Can I just first uh, say, like, you know, uh, say my condolences to the Russian family, Um Crazy, sad news, man. Seriously, when you hear yeah. players that you know, I didn't know Robert really well, um, but just just around the league, you know, we've had players that we, you know, that we grew up playing with, you know, that that pass away, and it's it's really always sad, man. It's uh, yeah, they're terrible; news. so young.
0: Yeah. yeah, indeed.
2: You know the, you know, you know. <laughs> I remember when I was I was playing for. I think I was with the well, my first year was with Manchester, right, and we you know, we won the championship that first year, you know, and, and you know, being one of the better teams, we was in a lot of highlight games and we was in a lot of finals, right, so, yeah. you know, the BBO had a contract with Sky Sports at that time, yeah. and, um, you know, we was on TV six, six times that year. Yeah. One time we, we was on the BBC, um, you know, for the National Cup final, and, and and I say that to say that w- when you have TV exposure, that obviously brings visibility, it mm-hmm. brings you know the ability to to promote the game and, and advertise and sell you know that particular and earn that particular revenue. Yeah. And one of the issues, you know, with the BBL is is just that amount of people watching the game, you know, the visibility of that particular product. After that particular year, I think it was. I think it, I believe it was after that year or the year after um, the BBL um, switched contracts. Yeah. ITV Digital um, launched their, their product, and you know, um, you know, BBL took took the money and jumped ship. You know, then ITV Digital folded, and there was some barren years where there was no BBL, yeah. you know, in the media at all. And then, and there was a significant dip. In terms of the quality of the game, not the quality of the game per se, but in terms of you know what it represented, you know as a, as a as an entity, you hmm. know in the school world, not that it was massive, but it was bigger during that early two thousands particular phase because of the sports, yeah, um, you know games. But then you had that particular period you where know, no TV, the wages, you know, kind of went down during that time the sponsorship was pulled out, you know. So I say that to relate to City Royals in terms of, you know, one of the issues was, you know, getting the in the actual arena itself, which has always been an issue in the BBL. Yeah. You know, I've been always been an advocate advocate that you need to get people in the gym watching the game, you know, because it is a good product. So yeah. Game, you know, especially for young kids, you know, some of the young kids that love the sport of basketball, but if you don't, just, just get them in there, you know, mm-hmm. just just be creative with your with your marketing. Mm. You know, go around the schools, give away tickets. Yeah. You know, you know, one paying adult, five children, things like that. Mm. You know, just like, just be creative how you get there, but like, get people in there. Mm. You know, once you get people in there, they'll get to know the players. You know, they'll get that 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 fan family sort of feeling, and they'll get that ownership that like, this is our team. You know, so you've got that issues right there. You know, but. Yeah. Well, from the London City Royals, the first year when, when they fired Junior, Junior Williams who's the head coach in the first year. You and I both played with with Junior. Yeah, we did. You know, did. Yeah. Uh, Junior set up. You know, we've known him, you know, since fourteen, fifteen. And, and and Junior brought them their first champ first trophy in their first year. Amazing. And then look, get rid of the guy the second year, you know. And that's that's not good karma. You know. <laughs> that's not good karma, you know. So I think, you know, just just the overall infrastructure of 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 the of the BBO and how it promotes the game it's, it's been an ongoing issue. Um, but when you see some sports that are shown on Sky Sports, yeah consistently, you know, netball, you know, and other sports such as that, you know, there is room for this particular game to be shown, you know, and you know, unfortunately the game hasn't grown and there hasn't been significantly different from you know, from that barren period in
0: the mid-2000s. It's, it's quite weird, man. Just jump in, because I know, you know, like you say, you played the Manchester Giants. I remember playing for the London Leopards. Um, I think we played at the 9X Arena. You know, 15,000 people would kind of fill the venue. You know, it had the NBA <laughs> fill. We had the screen. My, my home ground
2: was the Manchester Evening new, even News Arena. Yeah,
0: that's the one, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: And, I, and I mean, you know, people would turn out, you know. stuff like that they didn't know the players but yet you know that will come with a sense of kind of being around it and creating a following and stuff and you know like you said throughout time it just feels like like you said if you know i've I've got kids you know and they watch they've not been to like manchester United or liverpool games but yet they know every player they know where to watch it on youtube they know where to kind of get the magazines they know you know, there's fans in Africa who never go to watch a, a UK football game, but you know, we will may never watch an NBA game in person this season. You know, but at the same time, we're so constantly aware of it. There's avenues where we can still be fans, and I think the, the BBL BBL particularly is kind of lacking that kind of drive and that awareness and stuff. And it's, it's got to start from the the ground roots up. And I think when they, I think it was after the Olympics in 2012 when they kind of stopped the funding as well to kind of have kind of basketball or more basketball in schools, despite, you know, a good a good run by Luel Deng and Potts Mr. Bonsu and those guys against the kind of top European, um, and even I think they played the dream team kind of guys as well. And it just kind of doesn't help the whole infrastructure of basketball in this country. And it's quite a shame, it's quite frustrating at times, but it's it's something that really needs to be kind of looked at and taken, you know, hold of by a real kind of you know, a real leader kind of from the top and just, um, you know, give give the game a chance because like you're saying...
2: And I think it, it, it will take someone from outside the UK, you know, fraternity, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, someone else, someone with, you know, just someone who sees it from a business point of view, yeah. you know, really understands the products of basketball and how it needs to be sold, you know, and obviously, I don't think that the BBLs ever really had that so yeah, they're not, they're
0: not to it's to almost like forward. it's almost like a David Stern type figure, I would say. You, kind
2: of you need someone just to come in who, who knows it for a listen. There's a lot of you know smart people involved in in basketball, you yeah. know, yeah, and you know, these people are you know who who weren't really maybe coaches or whatnot, but they can come in, you know, we know the analytics driving people like Daryl Morey getting positions mm. with, you know, because of their background and, you know, it's, you know, someone of that sort of maker model that can see that a bigger picture and how it can be done the vision, yeah. Yeah. if you will really access revenue streams that, that you know, allow t- them to be promoted and be a win-win situation for particular advertisers and companies out like there that might want to kind of
0: use the BBL as a vehicle to invest but if people are not washing the product it's never going to be never going to be viable for those companies yeah no totally totally agreed cool all right Errol I'm just gonna kind of cut you there leave you there bro um thanks for jumping in um I don't know if there's anything else you want to kind of give a shout out what you're working on where people can find you if they are interested in catching up with yourself um but, yeah, Errol Seymour will kind of join our podcast as and when. Um, obviously a great kind of fan of the game, great mot- motivational speaker, um, teacher. But, yeah, just um, give people, you know, where they can find you and the best place to kind of search. Yeah, yeah, just, just, yeah I mean, just hit me up,
2: um, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, not doing Twitter or, or Instagram at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I've got a few things in the pipeline when when I'm in a bit in there uh different position. uh um, I remember exactly what I'm doing, but uh, yeah it's, it's, it's gonna be an it's an exciting start to the year and uh and uh we'll let people
0: know what I'm doing later on. Cool, nice one. I uh, i appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um and uh we'll catch up
1: soon. Peace. Peace, peace. Okay, let's talk about Zion Williamson. Williamson facing the double team. It's the open man. It's Ingram with the slab. To Brandon
0: Ingram with a well-timed cut and finish.
1: He's setting the screen. The shot clock down to seven. Alexander Walker trying to get that one to go over Purdle. Could not. And there is Zion Williamson, his first NBA basket. So, you know, finally he's got his chance to shine finally he's coming out finally he's made a name for himself you know everyone you know wanted the number one draft pick to have a kind of big outing and that's what he's done I mean 17 points in the fourth quarter after starting you know two for five looking a bit sluggish you know he got some rebounds ran the floor and came out hard you know um, no one thought he could shoot hit four threes four for four in the fourth quarter excuse me the team lost but you know, he made an impressive statement that he looked like an NBA player. And I think that's the defining factor. Is many people didn't think, you know, he was really an NBA player. They, they loved his athleticism, loved his dunks. But they were unsure as to whether he was really an NBA kind of caliber player. But, you know, wow. He came out aggressive. Second game. I mean, in his first game, I think he scored 22 points and seven rebounds. His second game, another loss, unfortunately. But again, limited time, he scored 15 points. And a bit more time in his third game against the Celtics, which are a pretty good team. You know, I think he scored 17 points. And his efficiency is around about 60%. You know, caught a couple of alley-oops. And he's looking really good. So everyone's is quietly impressed with him. And, you know, he's not a bust. You know, I think regardless of however the season plays out, his first initial games have showed that he's someone to kind of reckon with. You know, I think he shot is going to be ups and downs but I think he's got the body and the physicality to kind of bang inside and to play close and he likes to play close he likes to be efficient you know and I think that's what will kind of separate him from all the other kind of rookies that have come in who are jacking shots and doing other crazy stuff you know John Morant take me have to John Morant but you know RJ Barrett you know he's a tough player but he's he's got to mix it up he's got to stop relying on a three point shot you know because in this league you either got it or you haven't got it you know so um but Zion Williamson impressed so far, really am, you know, um, so I'll keep panning out for these games in New Orleans Pelicans and um, we'll see where we go. Um, All-Star Weekend's probably come out at a good time, you know, with the the death of Kobe Bryant, um, just to wind things down so players can kind of recap and regroup and I'm sure that the NBA will have um, some significant kind of, kind of, uh, what's the word? A significant kind of recap of Kobe Bryant's life, you know, we all wish him well here. This is Blank Screen Books. Um, excuse me. This is Blank Screen Basketball Podcast. And, you know, I'll be checking in every week. And you can um, find out more about me kind of on blankscreenbooks.com where I write different kind of books on your favourite NBA players um, and other players as well. Or you can even email us at infoblankscreenbooks.gmail.com. Again, books. Infoblankscreenbooks at gmail.com This is Patrice Gordon signing off and I'll speak to you all soon. Peace.